Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody? Gibbs here with number 424 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's back with Odelay. Odelay is... The fifth studio album by the American musician Beck. It was released on June 18th of 1996. Recorded 1994 through 1996, so kind of a long recording process. And it was recorded at the Conway Studios, G-Sun Studios, Sunset Studios in Los Angeles, California, and The Shop, Arcata. The genre of the album is alternative rock and sampledelia. Producers on this album were Beck Hansen, The Dust Brothers, Mario Caldaldo Jr., Brian Paulson, Tom Rothrock, and Rob Schnapp. There were 13 tracks on this album that were listed. There is a hidden track on the album as well. So technically that makes it 14 tracks on this album. Five were released as singles, those were Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, The New Pollution, Sissy Neck, and Jackass. The recording process for this album originally started out as more of an acoustic feel, which had a lot to do with Tom Rothrock and Rob Schnaff and their direction that they wanted to go in on this album, and... The tracks Ramshackle, Feather in Your Cap, and Brother were the only tracks from the sessions that he did with those two that were released. And they were all kind of acoustic and kind of melancholic. Which, if you listen to, and I don't know a lot about Beck's discography, I know that earlier on you get more of this hip-hop sound, rock sound, alternative rock. But I do know that years back when he released Morning Phase, which I believe that one album of the year that year, that had more of a acoustic, stripped-down, melancholic feel to it, as were described with these tracks. And I had bought that album I listened to that whole album because I really enjoyed it and I do remember being like man this doesn't sound like Beck that I know at all it sounds like a completely different artist so to kind of hear that he was touching on that a little bit even back in 94 96 era it just kind of made everything kind of full circle and make sense in that era and of course I've heard tracks like loser and where it's at and his more popular stuff from back when he first started coming out with music so I knew what to kind of expect with this album and I knew that it wasn't going to be like morning phase but it just kind of seeing that things on this album started out acoustically it kind of made sense that he eventually ended up putting out an album like morning phase to me so after he got done working with Rothrock and Schnapp, he opted to work with the Dust Brothers instead. So he basically just 
kicked out the previous two producers and decided to go in a different direction. And as I mentioned, he only ended up keeping like three tracks from his time that he spent working with Rothrock and Schnapp. So he works with the Dust Brothers, and their production style was more hip-hop and layered. And they had worked with artists such as Beastie Boys, Tone Lock, Young MC, which makes a lot of sense when you hear their production style and musicians that they had worked with, and then you listen to this album, because you get a lot of those same elements as Beastie Boys and Tone Lock in there with some of the sampling, especially Beastie Boys. I get a very music direction in Beastie Boys on this album. The title for the album, Odele, is an English rendering of the Mexican slang for Arale, which translates roughly into listen up or what's up. The phrase Odele is repeated in the lyrics during the outro of the song Lord Only Knows. And according to Stephen Malkmus, the title is also a pun on O Delay, since the album took so long to record. The album's cover photo is a Commodore, which is a rare Hungarian breed of dog with a heavy corded coat. The original photo was shot by a canine photographer, Johann Ludwig, for the July 1977 issue of the American Kennel Club's Gazette. So they kind of ripped off the photo a little bit there. Odele received almost unanimous critical acclaim and was nominated for the Grammy Award for Album of the Year and won a Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album in 1997, as well as a Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance for Where It's At. As well as appearing on this list, it also appears on the Spins 100 Greatest Albums of 1985 through 2005, ranking at number 16, and it was awarded Album of the Year by the American magazine Rolling Stone, which puts out this list, it was also voted the best album of the year in the Village Voice Paz and Jop Critics Poll and also in NME's annual Critics Poll. In 1998, Q Magazine readers voted Odele the 51st greatest album of all time. Rolling Stone also had it ranked at number 9 on the list of 100 best albums of the 1990s. Voters in Channel 4's 2005 100 Greatest Albums poll placed it at number 73. The music website Pitchfork ranked it at number 19 on their top 100 albums of the 1990s. And it was also included in the book of 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. It was also voted number 54 on Colin Larkin's all-time top 1000 albums. In 2013, this album made an appearance on this list and was ranked all the way up at 306. So it took a little bit of a dive from 2013 to the 2020 list, a little over 100 spots that it dropped there. This album also sold really well around the world, which is kind of surprising to me. I figured Beck to be more of an American 
musician popular here in America, but managed to reach worldwide success. The album was certified gold in Australia, two times platinum in Canada, platinum in Japan, platinum in New Zealand, platinum in the United Kingdom, and two times platinum in the United States. So I've decided that before I get into what I think about the album, I would like to read the little excerpt that Rolling Stone had about the album on their website, kind of explaining why they put it where they put it, and why they see it as one of the greatest albums of all time. I feel like it's not fair for me to sit here and just give my opinion without giving the reasoning behind Rolling Stones. So for that reason, I would like to start reading the little excerpts that Rolling Stones puts in about the album. So Rolling Stone had to say about uh, Odelay and where it was placing, saying, quote, Burring into the studio with the Dust Brothers, Beck came back with a Technicolor version of his Woody Guthrie meets Grandmaster Flash vision, demonstrating to all his rock peers on Devil's Haircut and where it's at that turntables had a brighter future than refried grunge. While reminding listeners of the 60s and his own folk roots with the shabby lovely jackass, as he told Rolling Stone in 1997, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways. A lot of what my generation is into, what it represents, I'm totally against. End quote. So that's what they had to say about this album. I came away from this album rather impressed by Beck's musical ability. I had never really pictured him as someone who had played a lot of instruments and done a lot of things, but when you look at all that he contributed on this album, it is just really impressive that he, one, knows how to play these instruments, and two, works them into these tracks to make them sound good. On just this album, he is credited for, of course, doing vocals. He does electric guitar, slide guitar, acoustic guitar, bass guitar, organ, clavinet, electric piano, moog synthesizers, harmonica, drums, percussions, thumb piano, Roomba box, xylophone, turntables, echoplex. So, I mean, he's doing a lot of things to contribute to these tracks on this album. Just very impressive musicianship. And Rolling Stone kind of touched on his folk roots a little bit, and that was something that I liked on this album. I really liked the incorporation of the blues sound, mixing in the electronic elements and kind of blending the genres. And he did that really well throughout the whole album. You could tell that he had more folk roots, blues roots, to a lot of his tracks. I did feel, though, that there were certain moments on this album that you're going through these tracks and things weren't really linking up properly. And I don't know if that was supposed to be that way or if it's just me not hearing it right or what. But it just seemed like some some of the samples that they put in, some of the differentiating in the track where they would just kind of go off and do something else. It just didn't link up right. It didn't sound right. And again, I don't know if that is a creative choice or just something that 
doesn't sound right to me. I did like the samples, though. I liked that they added those kind of things in and remix them and make them fit in and try to make them fit in, but just sometimes it didn't really sound right to me. I like the effects that they use, though, like the megaphone voice effect. They use it a couple times throughout the album, but it was really turned up on High Five, which I just really liked his vocals with that kind of distorted megaphone effect. I thought it sounded really good on that track in particular. Ramshackle was one of the tracks that he first recorded with the two producers that were going in a more acoustic direction and honestly that was probably one of my favorite tracks on this album obviously I had mentioned before I'd already heard where it's at and knew that that was kind of the style that I was going to be getting into on this album but Ramshackle was a really good track and I really thought that it showed off more of his singing ability whereas a lot of the rest of the album you get more of a hip-hop element where he's not really singing as much as he is possibly rapping or just spoken word at points. So Ramshackle I just really liked the reverb on the percussion clicks I thought that that was a really nice element of it because you kind of get that the drums were almost recorded with a microphone in a big room and the microphone was set on the opposite side of the room as the drums because you just kind of get that full room reverb sound and it's almost like that little echo and you could just tell that the drums were kind of far away from that microphone and I really like that effect for this song so overall, I thought it was a really good album. Maybe not great, as I felt like there were certain moments that didn't really sound that great. But overall, a really strong album. Good album. I just don't know if it had a ton of memorable moments. I like to see that it sold well, because that's something that we've kind of lacked in the last few albums, is substantial proof that they had went platinum or reached a worldwide success so it was nice to see that out of this album but the influence I don't know if it's so much of he was doing something different or really if he was just expanding upon something that had already been done because when you look at him switching over to the Dust Brothers as producers you do tend to get more of a Beastie Boys sound, a Tone Lock sound, things that you would associate with those musicians. So there, I felt like it kind of took away a little bit of the creativity of the album that you get on something like Ramshackle, where maybe it was something a little different, but instead you get almost a copy of the Beastie Boys. Which obviously, he's not the Beastie Boys, because the Beastie Boys were more high energy, I felt, and obviously there's more of them, so they get to bouncing the verses off of each other. But musically, you get a lot of that same sound of them, so I do feel like a little bit, well, this has been done before, but I do feel and give credit to him for putting his own little spin on things, because obviously it wasn't 
as hip-hoppy as some of the stuff you get from Beastie Boys or Tone Lock in particular there, or Young MC, because there is a little more of an alternative rock vibe to some of these songs, and you do get the acoustic songs in there, but I feel like that was more of a product of working with different producers on the album, which shows why sometimes it is good to have multiple producers on an album so you don't get stuck into doing the same thing and having the same sound throughout the whole album. If you want to showcase different things, bring in different people that can take you in a different direction. As for where it stands on my list of these, I'm going to put it a little farther back at 430. Just I feel like it slots in there really well. That is just right behind David Bowie's Scary Monsters, but still ahead of Lucinda Williams' Lucinda Williams, just for the fact that, because on a personal level, I enjoyed Lucinda Williams' album more than I enjoyed this album, but I do have to give credit to the popularity of this one and its ability to reach worldwide popularity. So, for that reason, I'm putting it at 430 for the time being. Would love to know what you think about it. You can reach me, the rolling review at yahoo.com, or by going over to Facebook, liking the fan page. You can drop comments there or see the updated version of the list. I also try to post those over on Instagram, so if you go over to Instagram and search, you can see the copies of the list over there, as well as the notes that I take while I'm listening to these albums. Next album on our list is going to be Yola Tango, I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. Until then, I'm Gibbs, this is The Rolling Review, stay safe and be kind.